She's Tori. And he's Nick. And this is I Want to Rewatch. An X-Files adjacent podcast. In search of... Butch Cassidy. This episode was written and produced by Nicholas Webster. It was edited by Art Stafford with assistance by William Hardigan. The series is hosted and narrated by Leonard Nimoy. And this episode likely aired sometime around April 1978, give or take a few weeks. Maybe in May? Who knows? Yeah, don't know. Don't know. South America, 1909. According to this famous film, a gun battle claims the life of Butch Cassidy. If the film version is right, who was the mysterious stranger who appeared on a Wyoming road 15 years later? A mysterious stranger who bore a strong resemblance to Butch Cassidy. Dun, 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 dun. Very cool. Much has been recorded of the life of Butch Cassidy. How he rode the outlaw trail with the notorious Wild Bunch. But mystery still surrounds his death. Now, those who've kept their silence for years are ready to reveal the true ending to this remarkable story. In search of Butch Cassidy. I'm not doing that theme again. Once is enough. So, (laughs) Theory and conjecture, blah, 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 blah. I figured, like, I had to keep up. Like, we played, like, the real thing last episode. So I needed to be, like, you know, a little more than just... Try to do something fancy for the people every once in a while. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know about Tori, but I do have an episode hot take for this episode, I guess. This episode, we've talked about in search of before. This episode's 45 years old. And this episode in particular is talking about people who were born 110 years before it aired. So not to be ageist, but everyone is old as fuck. And... I'll be honest, I actually thought Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid were just fictional characters from the movie. I didn't know they were real people. So. Yeah, I actually was wondering. I was trying to remember. Because like when the episode started, I was like, oh, wait, yeah, I guess he was a real guy. But I always sort of thought of him as one of those like fictional movie characters from the Old West movie stuff. Yeah. And then I was like, well, I've probably seen some special on the History Channel or something about like butch cassidy and history's mysteries or something so i probably at some point knew he was a real person but yeah i that is not a fact that has stuck in my mind so i do not know a whole lot about him yeah and also most importantly to quote tommy lee jones in the fugitive i don't care (laughs) this episode is weird so it is a weird it's a weird episode so let's get into it (laughs) it's a very it's it's an episode very much of its time yes This was something that people in the 70s cared about, mainly because everyone who knew anything about it was about to die. So, or something, I'm not sure what, but yeah. Yeah, well, and I was wondering, I was thinking, like, this sounds like something I would have seen on Unsolved Mysteries. So I looked it up, 
And they did not cover it on the Robert Stack years, but I think they have covered it at some point. Well, no one would still be alive. I mean, like, there's like, well, of the people in this episode who I who I know for sure were still living, like, in the 21st century, Leonard Nimoy and Larry Pointer, who is an author who we'll talk about towards the end. That's it. Everyone else would be dead because they're all, like, 80s and 90-year-olds. So. Right. Well, but you don't need those people alive to like examine the story and have like a special segment on it or something. I mean, I guess that's true. We still have like Jack the Ripper shit all the time. So, oh my God. So much yeah. Jack the Ripper stuff. I mean, we know the Jack killer's still alive because he's immortal, but. Right. Well, obviously. Yeah. So, everyone knows that. But <laughs> yeah. otherwise. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's history. It's important, but it's just one of those things like I don't, I don't care. And it's like historical so. mysteries can be really fascinating but it is one of those things where they're not usually satisfying because there's just never going to be a real conclusion because there's just no way to solve it anymore yeah i mean they would if like if they found bones and could like dna test them that would pretty much do it but yeah that's true so anyway the episode opens nick will probably cut that out that's cool <laughs> going to the vast panorama of the American West has always bred large legends. August 13th, 1897. A gang of bank robbers known for their speed and daring called the Wild Bunch are led by Butch Cassidy, who was born Robert Leroy Parker. A prior stint in jail for a minor offense apparently led him to decide the outlaw life was for him. Yep, incarceration, creating criminals since forever yeah yeah apparently so. he stole a horse yeah which i guess isn't a super minor offense but right know. and he was accused of stealing the horse it's not clear if he actually did it or if he was set up but he was supposed to serve two years for that which does seem a little like i mean i realized the horse was valuable but like that seems like a lot and then i think he got out after like 18 months i was reading about butch cassidy today i now feel like sort of an expert although i'm not really that's like one of the oh. only facts i know <laughs> I imagine, but I sound smart. <laughs> I imagine, and you might know now that you're like you know a historian. During that stint is probably that photo that we have of him that we see. Yeah, I would the, think so. Photo. Yeah, yeah. That or, was from 1896, I believe. So okay, yeah, so that would make sense. Yeah, yeah. Timing wise, so the wild bunch would stage horses ahead of time to allow them to ride continuously to escape. So like they would have horses ready so they could like get off their tired horses and get on new horses. It was kind of a clever plan, I guess. I'm not exactly sure who was minding the horses or taking the old horses. I don't know. There had to be some system going, but yeah. They robbed banks in Idaho, Nevada, and Colorado. They stole over $200,000 in total, which is roughly $7.5 million today. Wow. And they may have robbed places in other states. I didn't look, but those were the ones that were named in the episode. So mm -hmm. yeah. They hid out in the rugged lands of Utah and Wyoming. Butch Cassidy reminded some of Robin Hood, given the people he targeted, I guess. Well, apparently he gave money to people and stuff, too. So Yeah. So in search of travels to the remote town of Bags, Wyoming. Ooh. A sign reads population 144. The elevation is 6,245, which is pretty high up. I mean, that's about where Lake Tahoe is. So that's a pretty high elevation. Sheriff Ross Moore is all about Butch Cassidy, which seems odd, Nick says. 
Why does it seem odd? He's a sheriff. <laughs> and he's talking about how like he's a he's a he's a good guy. He didn't he wouldn't do you no wrong. He wouldn't shoot you or kill you. He'd just steal your money. That's how we talk. Look, I mean I realize A cab, <laughs> but there probably are exceptions. Maybe he's like, yeah, he's roughing up the rich. He's and a giving sheriff away of a money. town with 144 people. He's not, <laughs> you know, doing a fucking lot. So No, he's not. And everyone in the town is like 80. So he's, he's trying. <laughs> He's basically just probably settling bar fights and like squabbles over like someone putting their fence where they think the property line is maybe like over by a foot or something. People losing their dentures and yeah. We're told as an outlaw's legend grew, so did their chance of being caught. Mm. And the Pinkerton detectives tracked the gang. Oh, those guys are bastards. Yeah. As a reaction to this, the Wild Bunch moved from bank robbery to train robbery netting well over $100,000 in just three robberies that were mentioned. This is when Butch Cassidy began working with the Sundance Kid. And then several times throughout the episode, Leonard Nimoy tells us Sundance's actual name was Harvey Longabow, but it was actually Harry Longabow. Yeah, someone made a typo. Oops. Not that we've ever called someone the wrong name <laughs> through an entire episode before, you know, it happens. Hey. His name is an alliterative, so it's okay. After a big train robbery, the gang dressed up and took a family portrait as a joke. It backfired when the photo was widely spread on wanted posters and they had to leave the country. Oops. Yeah. <laughs> Oops. I mean, today's equivalent <laughs> would be like posting your post-robbery photo on Instagram and having it go viral, I guess. It's not a good thing if you're trying yeah. to lay Or low. your pre-one when you haven't put the mask on yet and you're like, hey! Get ready for a robbery. (laughs) Don't post your crimes on social media, kids. Just don't do it. Butch and Sundance, along with Sundance's girlfriend, at a place, traveled to Argentina via New York. But the Pinkertons eventually followed. Yeah. That sounds strange when you think about it. Like, they're in, like, the west basically and then they go to new york to go to argentina because they had to get a boat yeah i mean you couldn't just like hop a plane back then you had to like get yeah. to a port and travel and they dressed up fancy for the trip too there's a photo of sundance and his girlfriend yeah she was very pretty she was i mean everyone said she was too but a lot of times you hear like people are pretty and then you see photos of them because it's like the 1800s right and you're like oh, she's not ugly but um but yeah at a place we don't know if that's her real name or not. But yeah, she actually was. She was pretty pretty. So yeah, yeah. she was very good looking. They actually all were not unattractive people. Like they didn't, you know, well, none of them were like hideous. Cassidy's <laughs> eyes were really close together. And we see in photos he got that from his mom. His mom was not um <laughs> she might have been what they would call a handsome woman. <laughs> but I don't even think they would call her that. But yeah. It almost looks like he has like fetal alcohol syndrome a little bit. But I don't think so. I don't think so. I think his eyes are just really close together. Yeah. When they show a picture of his mom, though, you're like, oh shit, those are those eyes. That's where he got them from. They didn't get from his dad. <laughs> so, yeah. In 1909, word spread that Butch and Sundance were killed in a gunfight in Uruguay in 1908. The Pinkerton detectives closed the case. Hmm. However. In search of researcher, Mercedes could find no evidence such a gunfight ever took place. Was it a hoax to gain freedom once again? Whoa, good job, Mercedes. Yeah. You know, this was the time, like, in history where you could just, like, 
I don't know. It was way easier to fake stuff and like disappear. And I kind of envy that in some ways. I also like how it's like the Pinkertons heard that they were killed. So they're like, okay, case closed. I mean, that sounds on brand for them, to be honest. They're just like, okay, we're we're done with this one. Call it a win in our books, boys. Which is not unlike police departments now, actually. Well, and also, not unlike police departments, they're talking about like how, like, oh, they were robbing banks, and the Pinkertons started chasing them. So then they switched to robbing trains, where they made way more money robbing, like, per robbery on trains than they did on banks. And it's like, oh, yeah, involved, like, the authorities, and it gets worse. Good job. Oh, yeah. So. <laughs> In 1924, a lone figure drove the long, dusty road to Beggs, Wyoming, in a motor car. He seemed familiar. Could it have been Butch Cassidy? Mm. I mean, maybe. Mm-hmm, So it was commercial after that because they were like, oh, could it have been? We have to question. And then we come back and the rest of the episode is summed up in one paragraph. Interviews with people who reportedly knew Butch Cassidy or knew someone who knew Butch Cassidy or heard stories about Butch Cassidy or possibly heard stories about people who heard stories about Butch Cassidy. So solid stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. These include Sheriff Ross Moore, who says his grandmother talked to Butch in 1924. Alfred Brazel, who is called a contemporary of Butch Cassidy. And we have to assume, like, that must have been, like, when Brazel was a kid and much younger than Butch. And mm -hmm. Brazel looks, like, straight out of Scooby-Doo. He's a very interesting-looking dude. And he lives in an old house on the outskirts of Bags with his dogs and his goats. And he gets dates wrong, and he gets details wrong. But to quote Leonard Nimoy's narration, he is positive about what he saw. So, okay, don't believe him. <laughs> Author and historian John Rolfe Burroughs, who talked to a bunch of people between 1959 and 1965, who said it was definitely Butch Cassidy who returned, including Josephine Bassett Morris, a former girlfriend of Butch, who told Burroughs that he came to see her in 1924. And finally, in Utah, we talked to Butch Cassidy's sister, Lula Parker Bettinson, who was age 93 and recalls his homecoming to see her and his father. And she says that he died in 1937 in the Northwest and knows where he is buried. But she will never tell. I know, which is so frustrating. I feel like that's one of the most annoying parts of this episode. And I kind of get it. Maybe. I don't know. I just I don't understand. If your motivation is to tell the story and say he didn't die in 1908, he came back, he lived a full life, and then he died in, you know, 1937, you know, in Northwest. I don't know why you wouldn't want to, like, prove that. I don't know. I think because she can't, because I think she's making it up. Well, okay, that's fair. That I was trying to get rid of. <laughs> but if she was correct, I'm saying. Well, just... we'll see. Pay attention. She said he died in 1937 in the northwest and then we went to a commercial when she was like i'll never tell it we see some dude riding a horse and it's all freeze frame and then commercial mm -hmm. there are many theories about butch's later years in billings montana author larry pointer after years of study believes that this man william t phillips who moved to spokane washington a year after butch's supposed death is butch cassidy 
and the resemblance is remarkable. Phillips died in the Northwest in 1937, and his ashes were scattered over the Spokane River. An added irony is that for years, Phillips had tried to sell the Butch Cassidy story to Hollywood. There were no takers. And what of Sundance and Etta? They seem to have disappeared completely from history. Only the legend remains. But legends die hard. We usually believe what we want to believe. Somehow, we prefer to see Butch young and vigorous, falling in South America with guns blazing, rather than living out a mundane life. But wherever or whenever Robert Leroy Parker died, in our minds he lives on. As Butch Cassidy. But no one, no one, no one, no one, no one lives forever. Yeah. <laughs> it's over. Yeah, that's the episode. Woo! So did you catch the dates and the time when William T. Phillips died? Didn't he die in the Northwest in 1937? He did. And when did Lula say that her brother died? 1937 in the Northwest, right? In the Northwest. So it seems like these stories corroborate. Hooray! Boom, boom, boom. Well, fine. We're good. All good. All good. Sounds perfect. Except Larry Pointer, whose book Funny Enough was named In Search of Bush Cassidy and was published <laughs> in 1977. So that's the one where he says he has that photo and all that kind of stuff. He was like, you know, this is definitely Bush Cassidy. Well, it turns out that William T. Phillips was almost certainly William T. Wilcox, who is believed to have been part of the Wild Bunch at one time. Okay. Larry Pointer wrote another book in 2012, admitting that his previous assumption was wrong, that Phillips was Butch Cassidy. This also makes Luda Parker Bettison's story suspect because she claims her brother died the same year and the same place as Phillips. She also wrote a book in 1975 about Butch Cassidy, by the way. So you can take all that kind of stuff as you will. It's so funny that, like, I don't know, there's a lot of, like, historical sisters writing books about their famous brothers. I, don't, I guess yeah. you didn't have much to do if you were a woman because you couldn't do other stuff. So you just wrote your book about your mm -hmm. life of your famous brother. Yeah. And I was really excited when Leonard Nimoy mentioned the researcher Mercedes who had found out that that battle never happened. Except for uh, there ain't no Mercedes mentioned anywhere in the credits of this episode. Because I got no idea who Mercedes is. No credits. That's weird. That's weird. Yeah. And then as I mentioned, Etta Place is most likely a pseudonym. Place was actually the maiden name of Harry Longabow's mother. So okay. probably like an assumed name. Her actual identity in life before and after her time with Butch and Sundance is a mystery. She was probably living in San Francisco after 1906. Apparently she got tired of Argentina. And so Sundance went up to San Francisco with her and then she stayed there. And then in 1909, a woman matching her appearance reportedly attempted to receive a death certificate for Harry Longabau in order to settle his estates. But other than that, like, just disappeared. Like, we don't have any other information about her. If you go to a Wikipedia page, they have a bunch of people they think that she might have been. Okay. That kind of thing. It's all that thing is like, she looked like this person. So, you know how that goes. Yeah. I mean, it's it's weird, but it's not hard to find historical photos of people who look like other people. <laughs> yeah. Well, when they show the photo of William T. Phillips as an older man, you know, probably taken like in the 1920s or 30s before he died, and they show the mugshot photo of butch cassidy they kind of have the same eyes 
sure. which are distinct. Like when you see those, those eyes are pretty distinctive. And so you're kind of like, whoa, that might be him. But then you see the photo of William T. Wilcox. You're like, oh, no, that's totally him. And like the jaw is totally different. It's like you get locked on the eyes and you kind of ignore the other stuff because the eyes are so similar. But then when you see another photo, you're like, oh, yeah, this, that jaw doesn't even match that photo and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. Also, William T. Phillips, William T. Wilcox. I mean, come on. Probably the same dude. So Yeah, I mean, very likely, yes. <laughs> and if he worked with Butch Cassidy, like if he was in the gang that was robbing trains, it makes sense that he would try and sell the story to Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, anyone. Or maybe even be like, I am Butch Cassidy, you know. Yeah, like, exactly. No, yeah. I'm not Batman. I mean, you haven't seen us together or anything, but I'm totally not Batman. So, <laughs> so you said you did some research and are like now a historian about Butch Cassidy. I mean, I'm not, but I did look up a couple articles. I was reading a couple things. There's an article from history.com that kind of talks about various facts about Butch Cassidy. Apparently, he might have gotten the name Butch just from working in a butcher shop as like a young man. So that's likely. But I mean, it's yeah, also Burroughs mentions that in the episode, I think, when he's yeah. telling a story that he talked to someone who heard a story from someone. Right. That, so, that's yeah. where he got his name. And then they talk about his supposed death. There really isn't any conclusive proof of anything. Basically, there are some accounts that on November 4th, 1908, near the town of Tupiza in southern Bolivia, Two men thought to be Cassidy and the Sundance Kid robbed a payroll as it was being transported to a mine. Three days later, the supposed bandits arrived in San Vicente, Bolivia, and then after villagers became suspicious that the strangers were connected to the robbery, Bolivian soldiers were called in and a shootout ensued. During the shootout, the Bolivians reportedly gunned down the suspects, or one of the outlaws killed his partner and then turned the gun on himself, so even that's not clear, like... (laughs) whether or not they supposedly were shot by the authorities or gave up and shot themselves. Like, we don't even know that. And then afterwards, the bodies were buried in unmarked graves in a San Vicente cemetery. So there is no conclusive evidence actually linking Cassidy and Sundance to the robbery and shootout. In the late 20th century, researchers exhumed the remains thought to be those of the payroll bandits from the San Vicente cemetery And they determined that they were not from the two American outlaws. So it probably wasn't them if this whole thing happened. Yeah, because apparently when they first moved to Argentina, they actually just were working like as cattle hands and like doing like real work, Mm -hmm. which they apparently did on and off between robberies. But then because the Pinkerton showed up and started chasing them down, they couldn't hold a job. And so to support themselves, they had to start robbing places again. So again... (laughs) Don't involve the cops. Right, exactly. Just let these guys do their ranching. It would have been fine. I mean, Uh, according to Sheriff Moore, they didn't kill people. They just took your money. So, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, basically, it's entirely possible that Butch Cassidy was still alive and did return to the States and return home. It's also possible that he met his end somewhere else. I mean, we just don't know. Uh, I did read elsewhere that the remains were ID'd by a friend who wanted to help Cassidy fake his death, which there doesn't seem to be any reports of anyone IDing the remains, so I don't know. Another friend reportedly saw photos of the body and insisted it wasn't him. But this was on mental floss and there was no source, so mm. I don't yeah, I wouldn't necessarily trust any of that either. It just that sounds, sounds like, like the internet. Adding to the legend. But yeah, we don't really know what happened to him or where he went. We have some information about where we know he was at specific points, but yeah, we don't know how he died, where or when. He could have been in the Pacific Northwest. Probably not. <laughs> Probably 
uh wherever yeah who knows could have been anywhere yeah i did think it was funny that old alfred brazel he was all because they talked about like how like oh he gets the dates and stuff like everyone's like oh he showed up in 1924 driving like a model t and then like you know visited all the places and some of his friends and his family that kind of stuff and then and then he left and no one saw him again and he moved to the northwest or whatever supposedly but like brazel's all like clear as day 1916 i saw him and he had three horses and like everything is wrong like wrong <laughs> date he didn't have a horses he had like a car and he was getting like gallons of whiskey to go on a trip and just it was like everything was wrong but it was funny they actually talked to, they might have just talked to him just because he's like dude we got to get this guy on camera because he's amazing right so. <laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs> he's an interesting old guy with stories who cares yeah. if they're true who cares i mean it's still fun yeah and when you first see his house it reminded me of Grandpa from the Lost Boys, like his little oh, house yeah, with all yeah. the fencing and all the crazy shit in the yard and stuff like that. <laughs> and, yeah, and then he comes out and he looks totally like he'd be on Scooby Doo. So yeah, he really did. Yeah, but yeah, that's Butch Cassidy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, not a lot to say about that. All right. He was real. He was real. He was a real person. So. <laughs> If nothing else, we've both learned and or relearned something. So, yeah, yeah I mean, I, pr- I probably knew. I think what made me think maybe he was fictional was because William Goldman wrote the movie. Oh, also the guy who wrote The Princess Bride. He, I mean, yes. he also like wrote the screenplay for All the President's Men, which is nonfiction. But like he did write like a lot of his books that got turned into movies were fiction. And so I think in my head, I just seemed like, oh, it's a fictional cowboy story. Especially with names like Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid, you're like, yeah, the Sundance Kid, that's a fake name. I know, yeah, it doesn't yeah. sound real, but that's just like a takeoff on Billy the Kid, right? We got the kid, we do the Sundance. It's, it's, yeah, it's, but no, apparently they were real. So <laughs> I want to rewatch is hosted by Tori Nick and recorded in collaboration with Black Cat and Orange Tuxedo Studios. Episode production, design, and editing is by Lazy End Productions. Our music is Dark Science by David Hillowitz, and the truth is what we make of it by the Agrarians. I Want to Rewatch is where we talk about the X-Files and X-Files adjacent television and films. If you like what we're doing, check out our show notes for ways to support the podcast. And of course, tell a friend. We'd love to have them join us. Speaking of which, be sure to join us next time. And together, we'll try to figure out if If the the truth truth is is still out there. If the truth is still out there. If the truth <laughs> is still out there. <clears throat> that total matching. Look at that. No one, 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 no